Hello, everyone. Welcome to Inclusive Collective, where we share stories and learnings of inclusive people, organizations, and innovation. I'm your co-host, Rob Hadley, people and culture strategist and raconteur. I specialize in DNI and people analytics. I am joined, as I always am, by Nadia Button, organizational development and belonging strategist. Nadia, it is so great to see you. How are you? Same. Hi, Rob. I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing well. What's 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 happening? What's give me something good happening in your world? What's going uh, on? Well, I don't know if it's good, but I'll share a story because I, okay. I I feel this is what I'm I'm feel, I'm starting to feel old because I went to the eye doctor yesterday. I have an eye condition called keratoconus. Um, where my corneal is shaped like a, um, a cone versus a sphere, which is like what regular people have. And yeah. so I have a really high astigmatism. You'll notice today I'm not wearing my glasses. I'm wearing my contact lenses, which is the better form for vision with people who have keratoconus. But then my okay. eye doctor told me that I have to wear reading glasses when I read. Oh, because I'm getting older. Yeah, yeah. This is like it, but you you have all these stories, right? So last week we heard about you ran into your old volleyball coach, yeah. and now we know about. I think feel like our listeners are really getting to know you. They they probably feel like they really know you at this point. The listeners are they're they um they are starting to to know me and my personal it's so life. personable. <laughs> so real and authentic. So real. A lot of authenticity Just showing up over here. A lot of authenticity. Well, thanks for that. We'll get into it today. Nadia, we are, uh, we're winding down the summer. We're going to do some stories. We're going to do some things that we may have missed over the course of the summer Well, that we were looking at, paying attention to, and maybe our listeners missed. And so uh, we're going to talk about some of those stories today. That's right. Um, all deeds kind of episodes. So summer edition. Summer. So I'll go ahead and get started. This actually, this news happened in early June. So, um, but you know, we were away, like you said, and so we didn't have the opportunity to share. I'm sharing it now. But Rob, do you remember Puff Daddy? Uh, of course. Okay. Of course. Well, I, so I call him Diddy. Diddy. Sure. That yeah. is that is his updated name. So Sean Diddy Combs, the producer, musician, um, rapper, etc. I think even an actor, entrepreneur, yes, actor, yes, all of the things here. Man of the people, yes. Yeah. So apparently sued the spirits company Diageo. Di Am I saying that correctly? Diageo. Diageo. Okay, sorry, I don't yeah. drink alcohol, so I'm like, ah. <laughs> um, so Diageo accusing it of neglecting their business agreement and failing to invest in his liquor brands because he is black. Mm. Um, so Diddy claims his um, Ciroc Vodka and De, De Leon Tequila brands are being deprived mm -hmm. of resources after they were typecasted as black brands. I'm putting that in quotes meant only for, quote, urban communities. Um, Diageo denies the allegations. Of course, it's an organization that where they say they pride themselves on DEI practices is valued. You know, the 15 plus year relationship with Diddy. What's interesting about this, Rob, is according to the suit, there was a manager at Diageo that told Combs that race was part of the reason that they limited the neighborhoods where Combs, where Combs brands were distributed. And if he were Martha Stewart, things would be different. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. 
Do you drink to Ciroc? Just curious, like what's happening over here? What are your thoughts? I, yeah, as you as you were reading, introducing the story, I I really should do all the liquor stories. I know this you're like you're not enunciate any I, of these names. I unfortunately can pronounce all these brands uh, very well, and uh, yeah, my my father was actually in the liquor business for you know his entire career. So oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah, I've been in a Diageo suite at a football game. You know, oh, it's, it's look into, at you. The, the, like really take it back a long time ago um so i think he has a good case yeah and just knowing this industry and some of the things that were in this particular article that you sent me right so yeah. the allegation that in a private conversation diageo exec would say something like that like uh that the diageo leadership was resentful of, of uh diddy's or i'll call him mr combs money yeah we don't know each other personally so i'll call him mr combs but um and that if you were martha stewart things would be different and this is something that I work on. I have to work on personally and I have to stay focused on with the work that I do with companies. Right. So, um, my expertise, obviously in my history, a lot of things that I do are obviously internal focused, right. Inside organizations. And I think the DEI is often cast first as an internal workplace issue. Mm-hmm. And it is, but the magic really happens. We'll talk about another story that's like this as well. When a company is able to integrate their approach to how they think about DEI as an internal issue, mm-hmm. but then also externally with customers in their communities yeah, and sure. think about how their brand and how it engages with uh, external partners as well, like yeah. Diddy is in this case. And so if a company is limiting distribution of this brand mm-hmm. to a smaller geographic footprint, or let's say advertises only in black publications, doesn't necessarily have broad uh, amplification of that brand in its, mm-hmm. in its marketing, doesn't try to create a broader market and doesn't try to grow the brand. Like, and I think that all that could be proven, right, based on what they're doing to promote the brand. And so, yeah, I think of it's course. so. I do think it's fair to say that the company's treating this brand differently. Uh, and and you know, it's it's it might be have some problems here. I think you're spot on. I mean, in the the suit, they also claim that um, there was much more attention offered and better resources offered to other celebrity brands such as George Clooney's and Ryan Reynolds brands that Diageo also has. So yeah, I think I'll be curious to see what comes of this suit. So let's kind of stay on top of it. But you know, in the interim, do you know what they say? What, what I'm sorry, what do they say? Mo money, mo problems. <laughs> you're, you're so ready for that. You're so excited. I was. Okay, so next thing we want to talk about, curious to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, in late June, the Supreme Court used the case of a Christian mail carrier who did not want to work Sundays, mm-hmm. I'm here for that, to solidify protections for workers who asked for religious accommodations. In a unanimous decision, Nadia, mm-hmm. that doesn't happen a lot. Right? No, so it does not. Made clear not what SCOTUS. Wor- yeah, yeah. The justices made clear that the workers who asked for accommodations, such as taking the Sabbath off, should have their request honored unless employers can show that doing so would result in substantial increased cost to the business. At issue, there's a mail carrier in rural Pennsylvania, Gerald Groff, who was told that as part of his job, he would need to start delivering Amazon packages on Sundays. He declined, saying that Sundays are for church and family. Here, here, Nadia. Mm. What are your thoughts on this particular A couple things. So case? like, yeah, so this, so great. Yeah, right. Like this is really interesting. Religious accommodation, I think, can range from anywhere from like scheduling changes, flexibility, work breaks, a place to practice. Um, 
just, uh, you know, dress, grooming, whatever, all, all of these things, food. So I'm happy mm-hmm. that these are things that are being considered really happy. SCOTUS is like all on board with something like this. I would be curious what substantial is and how they define that. I would mm-hmm. also be really curious, like, you know, I am Muslim, as you know, as most of our listeners know. And so like our holy day of the week is Friday. And mm. so um, I, I think to me from like, I haven't, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not diving deep into this policy, but what's interesting is like, are the decisions being made based off of Judeo Christian foundations and values? Because if a Muslim who practices Friday, we call it Jummah, if we mm-hmm. practice and want to kind of take off time um, from work to observe our day of the week. Mm-hmm. And what does substantial mean to the businesses? And so like, this is where I, I'm just curious. Also, like I wondered when I was reading this was like, say you're a pharmacist who does not believe in contraceptive or even like pro-life and refuses to fill the prescription based off yeah. of that belief. Like this gets really tricky. So Realistic, I'm all for religious accommodation. Like most of my dissertation is based off of this research and this work. It's just a really tricky and sensitive topic for many. Um, yes. And I think a lot of these policies are based off of, you know, the Christian foundation that people think America was built on. <laughs> well, you asked the question, is this being decided based on Judeo-Christian values and beliefs? And the answer is yes. You know, they, we don't have to wonder. Yeah. Uh, right. Um I do think if this was a case, as you said, so if, if if this was a case brought by a Muslim mail carrier in Brooklyn mm-hmm. and they didn't want to deliver Amazon packages on the Friday, yeah, I don't think I don't know if we'd have the same result. I don't think I don't we'd know. have a unanimous result. I just me speculating, right? And so you bring up a lot of great points. I was struck by from a workers' rights perspective as well. Yeah. I thought that so there's some interesting things here, right? Um, one, do we have to make people deliver packages, whatever, right? Like <laughs> all the time. Capitalism, Rob. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> and so like, even the way this was laid out, the U.S. Postal Service got a contract to deliver packages for Amazon. And part of that deal was they had, as, was the, they had to deliver packages on Sunday. So think about how screwed up that is, that the government had to bid on a contract by a private company and the private company's terms dictated that the government grant workers worse conditions. Mm-hmm. Like, so I think that we're, like, there's just, there's so many things that are wrong with that. Right. And, and so, I mean, I, so I appreciate that obviously from a, uh, a religious perspective, you have much uh, you know, deeper thoughts on it than I do, but I was just struck by that. What just the world that we're living in at this point, and right. it's completely backwards in some cases. Yeah. And, so, and I'm um, still pushing so, for like a four day work week here. <laughs> we're trying to make it into seven work, i don't know you you work four days i yeah, i'm trying to get up to four days but oh um, man or i should say my family's hoping that i get to four days yeah. soon, so be more busy um all right well thanks right. for that nadia we're gonna take a quick break we'll be back with more stories from the summer on inclusive collective this episode is made possible by pwc it's getting hot out here Moving the mercury can help move your business. PwC helps turn sustainability theory into real-world action. Reduce your carbon footprint while increasing transparency in net-zero commitments. Start with reporting to identify your climate risks and reinvent your business. 
create a more sustainable business and a stronger planet. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. Welcome back, folks. We are back here with the stories from the summer. Um, and so I'm going to move into our next news story here, Rob. Do you frequent Denny's? Uh, not as much as I used to. Okay. For sure. Yeah. Uh, I used to be a regular at 2.30 a.m. at Denny's. Yes, okay. Enjoying the moons over my hammy. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, so, of course, Denny's is known for being the iconic, you know, diner-style restaurant, open 24-7. Uh, they have over 5,000 employees, over 1,400 restaurants, and, of course, serving over 400 million breakfasts annually. According to Forbes, they have a program that they put in place called Denny's Together, which focuses on building employees' awareness and action. It's an 18-month-long um, program that the Learning Development Group built in partnership with, of course, the DEI folks at Denny's, where they identify gaps in the processes that, as it relates to like customer and employee experience. Um, and what they did was really interesting. They created these rules to live by norms which incorporated their values, so things like compassion and curiosity. And they basically um, created like a four-phase challenge and really built in a lot of reflection, practice, like great time for like failure, like a really cool experiential and transformational work based around how folks can learn when things arise in the work environment or workspace. Um, where they maybe have to solve a problem or where they can try to reflect on mitigating bias with other employees as well as customers. Um, so just really cool. This article talked about like five key lessons that they learned. I would really encourage people to take a look at it. I, I love it because of course I'm, my background is learning development and I do believe they go hand in hand of like awareness building and coaching, experiential learning, transformational work. Yeah. I, I thought it was a great article as well. You know, this is where my maturity. Uh, comes in handy. And then I really thought about, as I read this, I thought about the lawsuits, past lawsuits around racial discrimination, racist employee conduct that the company had settled in the 90s when I was younger. And so that's what I associate with some of these issues with Denny's. Uh, there are a couple of high profile incidents in the 1990s. I don't know, do you, do you recall this? 1992? I, I, I don't recall specific, but I do remember like Denny's always being in the news. Yes, yeah. always in the news. <laughs> always in the news. There's a there's a uh, a young black woman that went to celebrate her 13th birthday was refused the restaurant's customary free birthday meal. What? Went through there were six uh, secret service agents that sat for nearly an hour without being waited on. Well, their white colleagues were served several times. Uh, like so, the company had a 54 million dollar settlement in those lawsuits that were put, filed together. So wow. that was my perspective. That's where I start with when I think about Denny's, and so I was super impressed at the long road back there, right? So yeah. the article talks about the alignment that we talked about earlier with respect to you know, making sure that internal and external is together. They had their rules to live by in that article, mm -hmm. which includes how we treat each other and how we treat our guests. And the, those values were inclusive and aligned, right? So the first rule for how we treat each other as employees at Denny's is everyone is welcome and valued. And then the first rule for treating customers is everyone is welcome to dine at Denny's, right? So yeah. really interesting alignment. Um, you know, a lot more on the integration to make the point that training can't be standalone. It has to be integrated into everything that employees are doing. Mm -hmm. And so they really operationalized it and made the actions that needed to take place from their managers and employees very consistent with creating the environment that they want. So I was really blown away. Really love the article. And uh -huh. I feel good about my 
my moon's over Miami now. There you go. I can go go back. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) They they also mentioned in the article, like the five key lessons that they learned, like executive buy-in is really foundational to understanding your current current culture. Trust and psychological safety is really key. Um, And of course, like having the commitment from the participants, because I think readiness and motivation and commitment is really important when you have a learner who's willing to learn. I don't know. I thought this was really cool. I would love to um, for these folks to come on our podcast to talk more about it in depth. So I'll be reaching out to the folks at Denny's. Folks at Denny's. All right. Get ready. Hear from Nadia. Yeah. I'll just show up and ask someone at Denny's <laughs> at 2.30 in the morning here in Utah. That's great. All right. So uh, last story here, uh, the Fearless Women Venture Capitalists. So the conservative group in the American Alliance for Equal Rights, these are the folks that are crusaders against equality, actually. These are the people behind the lawsuit uh, that, that led to the Supreme Court striking down the use of race in college admissions. They filed a lawsuit against the founders of a venture capital fund devoted to funding black women-owned businesses, accusing it of racial discrimination. So the founders of the Fearless Fund defended their efforts to support underrepresented entrepreneurs. Nadia, what, mm. you read the article. What are you thinking about on this one? Yeah, I did read the article. I would love to hear more of your perspective, but I will just say it just to me sounds like a frivolous claim and (laughs) right. Like it sounds like it's trying to claim like uh, reverse racism and uh, really preventing like real progress from happening. Um, So in my like the last words I'll share is like, boy, bye. (laughs) You know, like, let's get that going here. Well, I. I think you're right, and I don't think that I don't think that the the people that filed this suit were well, standing, right? They can't necessarily prove that they're being harmed by this, but this really is their next fight. Supreme Court that decision on college admissions, uh, it did not have an impact on corporate decisions or decision making. Yeah, right. And um, I think we talked about this last week, but so corporations can engage in voluntary affirmative action if they can demonstrate that they are correcting some sort of an imbalance, and that is usually very easy to demonstrate with data. And they have to prove that they're not causing undue harm to everyone else or any, or any other group. And so in this case, these women and many businesses do this. They're saying that we will provide grants to underrepresented founders. So I want to give money to black women uh, that are starting businesses. And they should be able to easily demonstrate that there's an imbalance. Right? As you've said many times on this show, we've talked about uh, women in venture capital, black women in venture capital. They receive something like 0.2% yeah, of all venture so capital minimal. money. So right. There's and there, there's no undue harm to white entrepreneurs because they have plenty of access to funds and many sources of networking. Funds sure, to. of course. And so this should be safe, Nadia. But I think I'm starting to admit to myself that that's probably not the case. Uh, and so I'm reversing myself because mm. I've seen this Supreme Court disregard precedent and common sense, and I'm not sure that my old drinking buddy Brett Kavanaugh. I'm not sure he understands math. Well, no. I never saw him, and uh, I never saw him in in our college trig class. So I don't know. <laughs> I never saw him there. Um, so I think businesses, I'm starting to change my mind. I think that businesses really should be thinking about how they move forward. I predict that these women will be fine and will survive this challenge. Like I said, it's probably pretty, like you said, it's probably pretty frivolous. But in the next two to three years, I think voluntary affirmative action will suffer the same fate as affirmative yeah. action in college admissions. Yeah. And we That's need to start thinking that way. Yeah, I would agree. That's a that's a big fear of mine. So then I guess the question is, like, what do companies do to avoid some 
that, right? Yeah. No, I'm spending a lot of time thinking about it. And I think that we should probably do a whole show. Yeah, this, I, I think, think so too. Point. But I think that the place where they're most safe are taking bias out of processes and making things inclusive for everyone Yeah, right. in a way that benefits the intended targets of some of the work that we do. Right. And is really very safe in terms of making things better for everyone at work. And I think that's probably the best way to go. Yeah, that includes recruiting, that includes promotion opportunities, that includes mentorship and sponsorship programs. So absolutely. Yep. Yep. That's great. So yeah, so that was fun. That Let's was take great. another quick break, Nadia. And we'll be right back with End of Summer Raves and Rants. Hi, folks. Welcome back. It's that time for Rants and Raves. Um, so, Rob, we used to do a coin toss and then um, we stopped that because we started to like, you know, we wanted to like not waste time and we do it yeah, beforehand. because of inflation. Um, but then yeah. we all, you know, yeah. right coins. Um, but we always kick off now because of the rant because it's a little bit more depressing than the rave. So we're going to we're going to have you do the rant. Okay. So All right, Nadia. On? So <laughs> we did our stories this week. I had planned, we had planned on doing another story, but as I looked at it in preparation for the show, I couldn't find a business angle. And to be honest, it bored me a little bit because we see it so often. So while we were gone this summer, yeah. the singer, and I'm using that term loosely, Jason Aldean, he released a video for a song and it was called Don't Try That in a Small Town. And unfortunately for me, for this segment, I had to watch the video and I had to listen to what Mr. Aldean calls music, right? So my takeaway was there must be a ton of money in telling people exactly what they want to hear. And in this case, that is that they're better than other Americans. So the video, I don't know if you saw it, but it was shot at a courthouse in Tennessee that was the site of a 1927 lynching of a black 18-year-old named Henry Choate. It shows images and videos of urban crime and civil unrest, mostly for people of color contrasted with images and grainy videos of wholesome small town scenes like a backyard football game, uh, a young girl playing hopscotch, which I don't know if that happens anymore, and a soldier coming home from war. You know, Nadia, the stuff that white people do, right? Um, the song says that in small towns, people are raised right. They take care of their own. But it turns out, with a little bit of research, Michelle Dean could have learned that rural areas are far bigger beneficiaries of government assistance than urban areas that rural rates of incarceration are higher than in urban areas, and that drug use is about the same. So that is not to say that rural areas are bad and that urban areas don't have significant issues. We all have a lot of work to make this country a better place wherever we live. One thing that won't help is telling one group of Americans that people that don't look like them are the problem. And I reckon, and I can use that word because I have some rural roots, as you know, Nadia, I reckon... And Mr. Aldean knows that, but there's just a lot more money in division than in inclusion. I would agree with that. Not that you're looking for agreement. Um, that, yeah, it's sad because I really enjoyed listening to Jason Aldean's music. And when I heard of the story, I was sort of like, mm. this is news to me. I, I did not know. I didn't, I was. I did not know that you you listened to uh, country music. So I I would say when I lived in Atlanta, I listened to a lot of like country music because it was just always on. So I like like I wouldn't say I was like a big fan, but I listened to him. I listened to Luke Bryan. I listened to kind of like these famous like pop country singers. And um, 
a little saddened by this. And then, you know, to top it off, not like we, we didn't talk about it at all. And I was waiting for you to bring it up, but we didn't talk about the Republican presidential debate that happened this week and or last week, I should say. And, you know, just I think you're right that there's money and divisiveness. Um, and that kind of was the rhetoric on stage with also the Republican campaign. Yeah. Most of those people on stage are not running for president. They're running to sell books, to get TV anchor yeah. Get their name shows out there. and yeah. uh, just to be as divisive as possible. That's what gets you more eyeballs. Right. All right. Well, thanks for that rant. <laughs> Good one this week. Um, I'm going to end on a positive note here. So, uh, folks, Inclusive Collective is an official nominee for the AAP Golden Crane Awards 2023 in the business category. We are so excited. Um, I'll be virtually attending the award ceremony on August 30th. But folks, you can also join. Um, you can, If you're in New York City, you can join in person. It'll be held in New York City's Chinatown. It's a fancy black tie Whoa. event. Um, yeah. So best of luck to all the nominees, including inclusive. And we don't know if we won, right? It's not like. We don't okay, know if we won. So you're going to be no. there. We'll find out on August okay. 30th. All yeah. right. Amazing. Well, really yeah. exciting. Well, thank you so much. Not it. That was, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Uh, tune in to the Golden Cranes. Inclusive Collective is a production of Refilion Media. We'd love to hear from you. Send us your feedback at who's a collective at refilion.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe and rate us five stars. Uh, you know, well, I mean, it could be four, I guess, you know, the lowest rating possible. Uh, but uh, uh, whenever you get your podcast, make sure to rate us. If you want to get in touch with us, we are consultants. We do things. Check out Nadia at nasconsultants.com and Rob at Consulting.com. Thanks again. We will see you all. We do not have an episode next week. We'll be back strong in September with season four. Thanks, everyone. Bad boy for life. <laughs> Starting to have too much fun.